and of the Holy Spirit, through whose kindness we have again received the fruits of the earth in their season. May we ever rejoice in God's mercy and humbly bow our heads before him. Amen. Lord, we have gathered to give thanks. We pray now for the grace that enables us to be thankful, for we are often inclined to be ungrateful for the gifts of life that we have received. So often we have been indifferent to the spiritual and material blessings which you daily give to sustain our bodies and souls. We are blessed by your overwhelming abundance, and yet we live as though we deserved it by our own merit. And if blessings are taken from us, Forgive us our ingratitude, that always and in every condition we would be your thankful people, offering our praises, blessing you for whatever we have received. <coughs> Hear now our confession and grant us forgiveness through Christ our Lord. I, I confess, confess that I have so often been unthankful and, and have been grateful for that which I should not have done and left so much undone that he do it. Be gracious, O oh God, and forgive my sins. By your Holy Spirit, show me those things which are right, and grant me a thankful heart and a desire to do them. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our holy God has long since provided the sacrifice for your sin through the atoning death of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his death, and by his command, I therefore forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise him now as his forgiven and thankful people.
He is not impressed by the might of a horse. He has no pleasure in the strength of a man. But the Lord has pleasure in those who fear him, in those who await his gracious favor. Worship the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Scripture appointed for this national day of thanksgiving, the Old Testament reading from the book of Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you to know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you and your foot did not swell these forty years. You know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We now join in our congregational hymn of response.
epistle reading from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, the fourth chapter. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except only you. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Come, praise Him, all ye nations, come, let us sing to God. 
stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel for this Thanksgiving Day from St. Luke, the 17th chapter. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Together now we join in confessing our holy Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for today from the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk, the third chapter of these verses. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit upon the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet will I exalt the Lord my God. Yea, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. Last Sunday morning, a member of the congregation told me a dream that she recently had, a dream that she had about our sanctuary. And her dream did what so many times dreams do. They merge remnants of unrelated mental thoughts and pictures and memories together and to some kind of odd conglomeration that's often comical. And indeed, hers was comical. It reminded me of another odd and rather comical dream that someone once had about Thanksgiving. And he writes and says, there I was, it was Thanksgiving Day, and I was sitting at this large Thanksgiving table, staring at this tremendous plate of food that was sitting there in front of me, and on the plate there was turkey, and there was mashed potatoes and its gravy and the dressing and the cranberries and everything was there and and then I looked up and to my utter amazement I discovered that I was having in this dream Thanksgiving Day dinner with God. Imagine that I thought a fantastic way to celebrate Thanksgiving and and then he says then God sneezed and I was dumbfounded because I didn't know what to say and I couldn't say Gesundheit, God bless you because after all it was God and so I just sat there and I didn't know what to say and here it was Thanksgiving Day and as you think about what that gentleman was encountering in that particular time and through that particular dream it certainly is true isn't it how often it happens in the course of so many of our lives that we too facing certain circumstances that we do we don't really know perhaps what to say to God those times in life when things are much harder than they've been before those Thanksgiving days that are played out in the wake of some sickness that perhaps has befallen us or uh, someone that we love dearly or some terminal illness that's wearing away slowly at the person that we love or that Thanksgiving day that's lived in the the shadow of the death of someone that we dearly have loved for so long and now we're without them or perhaps it's not something quite as dire perhaps we've lost our job which is indeed dire enough or suddenly we find ourselves fearing a layoff that we never thought imaginable a Thanksgiving day or two ago and how much more real that concern is on this Thanksgiving day for all too many people not only here but throughout our country the possibility of layoffs economic times worse than we ever imagined they could be a Thanksgiving ago Bear Stearns, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac Lehman Brothers, Merrill Lynch, Washington Mutual, American International Group, Citigroup, GM, M and Ford, financial giants, staggering, falling to their knees, failing, begging for bailouts from an old uncle named Sam, who can give nothing to a nephew without first taking from a niece, and is already spending far more than he has. 
There's a big menacing cloud that for many people is resting over this Thanksgiving day, wouldn't you say? And yet, as Jennifer Grau, writing in the San Jose Mercury News, said last Wednesday, quote, Despite being told that America is experiencing its worst economic crisis since the Great Depression, you know what, she writes, the vast majority of us will still be sitting down to that most American meal, roast turkey and stuffing, cranberries and pumpkin pie. And then she reminds us, quote, we take for granted that these dishes, the turkey and the stuffing, the cranberries and pie have always graced our tables at Thanksgiving, but during the Great Depression, during World War II, she says, when food or money or both were scarce, they didn't for many. But the celebration still went on, though sometimes it was with a very different menu. After all, making it through hard times is what Thanksgiving is all about. And that's the spirit American cooks took with them into their kitchen back then. And that's the spirit that all of us would take into our kitchens and into our dining rooms today. This day is not the day for God's people to be grumbling. No matter what the circumstances about us might be, this time is not the time for sinful silence of ingratitude, especially by the people of God. In fact, Scripture makes it clear that there are no days and there are no times for God's people to be thanklessly silent. That's why Luther, reflecting upon the sinful inclination of people to be ingrates, because that's what we're all inclined by our sinful nature to be, ingrates, unthankful for all that we do have. But despite that, he reminds us of the Israelites of old, and he tells us this is exactly what happened to the Israelites of old, and don't be like them, he says. While they were in bondage in Egypt, they complained, and they wept all the time they were there in Egypt. But then what happened thereafter? Hardly three days of deliverance in the wilderness had passed, and they wished they were back in Egypt again. Such a wretched thing is a man's ungrateful heart, Luther said. And then he quotes a neat little Latin phrase which translated means nothing ages more quickly than gratitude. These days for us too are certainly not days in which we as the people of God should be ungrateful. These especially are those days when God's people should even be more aware of the blessings that we have, the blessings that for so long have been ours, blessings enjoyed for so long that we perhaps do at times because they're so common and ordinary, we do take them for granted. The easier times of easier things in previous years and times like these that we're confronting even now are days in which we're reminded of the blessings that God gives. And so he even works good through that. Remember those famous reproductions of the great American artist Norman Rockwell a number of years ago. He died 30 years ago this month. Norman Rockwell that master of illustration that so often had his illustrations at the front page of the Saturday Evening Post. Remember Rockwell's famous Thanksgiving Day illustration? The grandmother standing there and she's placing this beautiful turkey upon a white tablecloth. Grandpa with an approving look on his face waits to demonstrate his skill with the carving knife and there's a twinkle in everybody's eye, laughter in their eyes, smiles on their faces, three generations gathered there together. And his simple picture for Thanksgiving Day, many of you remember, 
says far more than a thousand words could because it captures so much of what is real and that for which we should be most thankful. It's Thanksgiving. It's a time to celebrate the bounty with which Almighty God has so richly blessed us in this land. Interestingly, which you don't see in that famous illustration by Rockwell, it was completed and it was presented by Rockwell in the years down the corner of the page, 1943. The canvas was painted at a time when the rationing of World War II was well in force when so many things were so scarce, a fact that must have made that illustration all the more effective in that year of scarcity. Even when times are hard, even when ordinary things were rationed, even then there was reason for the giving of thanks because it's so often the case that when those things that are truly important in life are in some way threatened or when they're temporarily taken from us, it's then that we appreciate most of all these gifts that we have. And sometimes it's not until they are taken for a time that we do appreciate them as they should be appreciated. And that's why in part God allows us to have in life those seasons of scarcity. That's why he allows us at times to have the seasons of hardship. In those times, like none other, we learn the value of those things that we otherwise would take for granted. And so it is that St. Paul says, in everything give thanks, he says, for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus, as we heard read earlier. And so also throughout the church and throughout the ages of the church and even the hardest of times, what do we sing liturgically? Sunday after Sunday, the church has been singing it through the worst of times in human history. Sunday after Sunday, liturgically, the church has sung and still continues to sing and will until the Lord Jesus comes again. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto you, Holy God, Almighty Father, everlasting God. To be sure, it's easy enough to thank God when times are good, but according to Scripture, it's equally needful for us to be thanking Him when times are grim. Yes, even when, as the prophet Habakkuk says in today's text, even when the fields fail, even then, I will exalt the Lord and I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. And note well the crops that he mentions in our text, the fruit of the vines that he mentions in the text, the produce, the field, the cattle in the stalls. These things all represent the essential necessities of the farmer and of life. They're not the extravagances. They're the, the ordinary things that were needed in that time. He's talking about the staples of life, their livelihood, their income, their sustenance all that they needed to survive. They all had failed them. And Habakkuk, in his generation, wasn't the first or the last of God's people to, to be there and to experience the failing of so much. Think of Job. My days, Job at one point in his life said, my days are past, my plans appear torn apart, the wishes of my heart are gone. Or there was Moses. I alone, he says, I'm unable to carry the burden of all this people is simply too heavy for me, Lord. So if you're going to deal with me thus, then please take my life from me and spare me this wretchedness. 
And you could go on and on with biblical examples of those who had their tougher times. The psalmist, for example, said, My life is spent in sorrow, my years in sighing, my strength has failed because of the iniquity of my body, which has wasted me away. Elijah goes out into the desert and prays that the Lord might take his life from him. There are those times for all the people of God when times are tough. God's people of every time and every place have been there. The pilgrims were there on that first Thanksgiving day, most certainly. Those men and women of Plymouth Rock who'd suffered so much in the months preceding the first Thanksgiving day, the death of nearly half, nearly half of their small colony in that first winter of 1621. No home was left untouched by horrible sickness. Every hut experienced the freezing cold and the snow-laden blasts of those terrible winter storms that they weren't used to. No house, indeed, in the entire colony had anything but a meager supply of food, and everyone, everyone in that colony had a relative or a friend who at least had lost one child, a brother, a sister, a parent. Everyone had lost a friend, everyone. And yet, when the first harvest arrived, after the next spring and summer, what did they gather to do? They gathered to give thanks unto the Lord. Well, not that there wasn't some discussion, there wasn't some debate about what they should be doing in that event. In fact, Ben Franklin writes, he says, there's a tradition that in the planting of New England, the first settlers met with many difficulties and hardships. So being a piously disposed people, he says, they sought relief from heaven by always laying their wants and their distresses before the Lord in frequent days of somber fasting, but constant meditation and discourse on these hard subjects kept their minds gloomy and they were discontented. And then at length, Benjamin says, when it was promised to the assembly to proclaim yet another one of these solemn feasts, a farmer of plain sense rose to his feet and he remarked that the inconveniences they had suffered and concerning which they had so often wearied heaven were not so great as they might have been and indeed appearing, appeared to be diminishing, and he thought, therefore, that it would be more becoming of the gratitude they owed God if instead of a solemn fast, they would proclaim a thanksgiving feast. And that's what they did. We had the first Thanksgiving day. I wonder if that farmer had by chance read the words of the prophet, the words of our text, in essence, even though the fields fail I will still exalt the Lord and rejoice in the God of my salvation. There's where, dear friends, the ultimate spirit of Thanksgiving Day is to be found, even when in the worst and in the hardest of life's times we would find ourselves crying out with St. Paul and saying, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Even then, when the fields fail us personally, individually, even then, we would find ourselves in a thankful spirit, saying with St. Paul of old, Thanks be unto God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because you see, there in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ is where the greatest blessing of God to man is ever to be found. That's where it's at, always there to remind you, no matter how tough times are, there is where we see his love for us most clearly in that 
Christ and him crucified, God has demonstrated his love for you. And this, St. Paul says, that while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. With a sweeping stroke of the hand, God could remove the worst of life's obstacles from us. Makes no difference what they are. With a sweep of the hand, he could do it, even as he so often did in days of old, when with a mighty arm and an outstretched hand, he did exactly that remove them. He could well supply us with all of our greatest physical and material needs, even as he did when he created all things and first called them into being and said, let there be. But you know something? Neither swipe of hand nor the fiat saying, let there be, would be able to cleanse you of your iniquity. God couldn't just simply talk it away. Neither swipe of hand or simple let there be could ever make our sinful souls pure and holy for all of eternity. That required the utmost of what God could give. That required what St. Paul was speaking of when he said, Thanks, thanks, Lord, thanks be unto you for your indescribable gift, the gift of gifts that we celebrate and that we above all things thank God for on this Thanksgiving day, the gift of gifts, which is none other than his Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, my friend, spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for you all. How can you help but think then that God will also, as St. Paul says, surely supply you with everything else in life that you need? So you see, on this Thanksgiving day, on every day, we have so much for which to be grateful. So grateful, even in these hard times, even when the fields would fail us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Thank you, God, for all created things that reveal to us your power and glory and sustaining love. Thank you for the heavens that cover us and the earth beneath our feet, for the sun in the day and the stars of the night, for the snow and the rains and the rivers and the lakes. Thank you, God, for all your servants who demonstrate your love and call us to be your faithful people, for the saints and prophets and apostles and pastors and teachers of your word, for mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and grandparents and friends. Thank you for all honorable trades and useful occupations, for comfortable homes and all necessary resources, for the medicines you bless with your healing power to provide relief from pain and cures from physical ailments, for the fellowship of Christian friends, wherein we find help and encouragement, for good government and peace within the borders of our land, for the strength of our nation, which deters aggressors from without, for the compassion of our nation, which provides for those who cannot help themselves, for the rights we possess, protecting our laws. And we thank you, Father, above all other things, for your gift to the world of your only begotten Son, for his perfect life, which through faith becomes our perfection, for his death by crucifixion, which through faith becomes the death our sins deserve. We thank you, O Lord, for choosing us by grace to be your own, for your Holy Spirit, who has created faith in Christ within us, for your holy word and sacraments, through which our faith is sustained, for the fellowship of your church and for this congregation, through which so many have been so richly blessed and have so often prayed together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Receive now the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.